Welcome to this edition of the Mission Bitcoin Podcast. On today's episode, we talk with Denver Bitcoin, Adam O, about oil and gas flaring and using the wasted energy from wells for Bitcoin mining. We talk about the innovation this is bringing to the oil and gas industry as one of the greatest innovations in the last 20 years. We discuss the education and adoption process and the role that large companies and state actors will play in this innovation. We also discuss Bitcoin mining using solar for possible mission applications. We discuss the state of chip and ASIC manufacturing and the national security concerns related to this industry. This was a fantastic discussion. I know you will enjoy it. Now, a little bit about our sponsors. Jeter Melder LLP is more than a law firm. It is a legal team. Justin and Michael have over 30 years of experience working with different clients on different legal issues from different sides of the docket in areas such as business disputes, constitutional rights, employment agreements, employment discrimination, local counsel, and pay issues. Jeter Melder have advocated in federal and state courts in Arkansas, California, Illinois, New Mexico, and Texas. With a unique blend of clients from doctors, fellow attorneys, tradesmen, hourly workers, and the unemployed to small businesses and Fortune 500 companies, they all have one thing in common. They believe in Jeter Melder and Jeter Melder believes in them. Give them a call at 214-699-4758 or visit them at JeterMelder.com. That's J-E-T-E-R-M-E-L-D-E-R.com. Hey, Adam, uh, thanks for joining me for uh, this interview. It's it's a pleasure to get to meet you. I've followed you on Twitter for quite some time. I've heard a lot of your interviews and I'm fascinated by the technology that you work with. Um, you know, as I mentioned before, I, I grew up in Texas and oil and gas has just been kind of a part of the culture that I grew up in. And so this is really a fascinating topic for me. And I... I'm I'm excited to to learn a little bit more. And for the audience, Adam, why don't you just kind of introduce uh, yourself and what you do, and we'll go from there. Yeah, Patrick, happy to happy to be here. I'm glad we got connected. Um, and certainly, if you're a if you're a Texan and you're you know more or less well versed with oil and gas, it'll be fun to to have this discussion because because I think really Bitcoin's killer application. You know, I would say the Bitcoin network is Bitcoin mining. Um, the monetary aspects of it are an awesome bonus, an awesome cherry on top, right? But I, it, you know, to me, it's it's kind of the the living and breathing aspect of the the network, right? Um, yeah. So I guess to to share with your audience of who I am, so you know, I head up um, I'm the business development manager for a company called Upstream Data, and Upstream Data, you know, we're primarily I would classify us as an as an oil and gas company, maybe more than a than a Bitcoin mining company. Um, and what we do at Upstream Data is we build portable Bitcoin mines, so modular data centers for oil and gas producers to use on site in the oil field. Now, that being said, we, we, you know, part of our business, we were born in the oil field. Part of our business is also, you know, providing power generation as well as ASICs, right? So Bitcoin miners. Um, however, our hash huts could be electrified by anything. And so... You know, at Upstream Data, I'm I'm constantly talking to oil and gas producers, but often I'm talking to hydroelectric um, facility operators. I'm talking to guys that have um, stranded power with methane digesters. So we're still mm-hmm. talking about methane and gas, but we're talking about you know animal waste. Um, I've talked to solar and and wind providers as well. Or ultimately, our our hash shuts is what we call them. Our portable Bitcoin mines could be electrified by any primary energy source. We just have found, you know, we, we were we were founded by an oil and gas. Um, heavy, heavy oil and gas engineer, a guy named Steve Barber, right? He's a mechanical engineer, petroleum engineer. And so, you know, he's been building oil field structures for the last decade. And so he saw the opportunity with Bitcoin mining and the portable Bitcoin mines. Um, and he knew that, you know, it was going to be in the oil and gas producer's best interest to, to begin leveraging this, right? In themselves. And, and that honestly, they could do it, right? That, the majority of Bitcoin mining in the oil field is maintaining power generation, right? Maintaining whatever engine or generator is is powering the Bitcoin mine. The computers, for the most part, are autonomous, right? They relatively kind of take care of themselves. The engine is is the key and the, the power generation is the key. And oil and gas producers are well-versed in generating power on site. They've been doing it for a long time now, right? To run their heater treaters, their separators, their, I mean, their, their jack pumps, whatever. Um, and so 
you know, I every day what I did since 7 a.m. this morning, I've been on the phone talking to oil and gas producers and really I'm, I'm educating them. I'm telling them, you know, one, I'm, I'm educating them why they should take this this magic Internet money seriously, why this this innovation known as the Bitcoin network is more relevant to them than most people on Earth. Right. As much as Bitcoin is relevant to everyone, because money is relevant to everyone and and being able to store your money in a way that, you know, you is not going to be debased by a counterparty. That is relevant. But Bitcoin is even more relevant to any anybody that's producing energy. Right. I tell these I tell these oil and gas producers oftentimes, like, listen, the technology has afforded us a reality where you can now sell your energy to a secondary energy consumption market. Right. For the first time in history, we have somewhere else to sell energy other than to humans. You can now sell it to this autonomous network. And unlike when you sell it to a populace, right, or to the grid, when you sell it to the Bitcoin network, there's no counterparty to that trade. So you're not, when you sell that energy, right, nobody buys it. And so effectively, this was just programmed 12 years ago to reward you for your energy today. Um, and there's a, you know, you can calculate your market price pretty precisely on that and see whether or not it's worth participating, Steve, it's whether or not it's worth selling energy to this market. And, and so, do they, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, Adam. No, that's great. Do, do they get the idea that you're basically selling them a money machine? You know, to some degree, yes, because I mean, to them, I think it's more, I think they'll, I think they'll realize, you know, as they think about it more that, Hey, like we're going to be the producers of money. Like we're the producers of this money. Um, I think the way that they look at it is it's a downstream market, right? Cause that's the goal as an energy producer. When you, when you invest money, I mean, these guys are looking to make money, right? That's, the, that's what they're looking to do. So at the end of the day, when you invest money in oil and gas to produce, right? If you're an EMP or a production company or an operating company, you're investing to, you know, go out and bring hydrocarbons to market and make more than you paid to do it, right? And so Bitcoin, a Bitcoin mine is just, it's effectively just a downstream market, right? It's a magic box that will consume your, your, um, natural gas, so long as you have an engine that'll consume, you know, X quantity of natural gas. So it scales so break, linearly, right? So, yeah. So to break it up, you know, the name of the company upstream um, data. So uh, when you're looking at oil and gas, you basically want to monetize everything along the line and Bitcoin for the first time fills a niche that was blank. Yes. I mean, this is the thing is the Bitcoin network is, is an autonomous energy consumption market. And so now all of a sudden geography is is no longer pertinent to selling energy right well it's it's at least less pertinent because you have this option right if geography is the is the thing keeping you from selling your energy profitably the bitcoin network you know is likely the place for you and that's what we find with oil and gas producers all these tens of thousands of oil wells and i and i say oil wells um, that are stranded and have associated gas production so there's so many of these wells that are producing, you know, maybe they're producing a substantial amount of oil, maybe, a, you know, I mean, not, not a ton, but maybe five barrels a day or something. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, 350 bucks, almost 400 bucks a day with the price of, of oil today. So 400 bucks a day, I mean, that's serious money, right? That's six figures. That's over 120 grand a year um, of, of income on that well, but they also might be flaring 30, 40, 50,000 cubic feet of gas, right? Not a lot, right? 50 MCF. 50,000 cubic feet, not a ton of gas, but they might be flaring that. If you can come in with a Bitcoin mine and, you know, for a, a relatively attractive investment, upfront cost, create a $10 or an $8 or a $20 in MCF market. Well, now you take a, an asset that was producing $350 a day and you add on an extra $400 to it. I mean, you double the, the viability of that well, you double the revenue off that well. And so in other words, you're you're making double the amount of dollars off of the exact same amount of hydrocarbons that you were producing yesterday. And so well, it's, it, it's, a, it's a, a jump in efficiency that's significant, certainly for any oil and gas producers who are flaring or venting gas, which of, you know, of which there are plenty. So let me, okay. So for me, just as a businessman, when I hear something like that, that, that almost seems like a no brainer. So I guess the follow on question would be like, <laughs> Uh, people should be knocking down your door to do something like this. That's the first question. You know, why are you well, not seeing that? Okay. All right. Fair enough. And then if you look at just the standard oil and gas CapEx, 
I mean, that's a one-time fee and it's probably lasts for 15 to 20 years or more. I don't know. But if you look at a mining rig, that's probably going to be, you're going to have to spend CapEx on that, what, every four or five years to replace that uh, equipment. Is that, are those, is that about right? You know, it's interesting that you, the comparison is fun, right? I, I like making this comparison. Right? And I'll start by saying, right, the alternative is a pipeline, right? I guess what you're talking about, right? The only other way to sell gas is a pipeline. And so the nice thing about a pipeline, or I guess I put it this way, the, draw, the drawdown to a pipeline is significant upfront capital, right? Like you could be, you know, it's like bare minimum, you know, you're talking about a lot of money. And so it's, it's one of those things where it's like, hey, well, minimum, we're gonna have to spend 5 million to get a pipeline, right? But the nice thing about that is you can jam a lot of gas into a pipeline, right? So you can, you know, depend, you know, if you go produce another well over here nearby, you could, you know, um, theoretically or likely tap into whatever pipeline you've already drilled, or you've already laid, and then you know just add gas to it. It's not like you have to build, you have to expand the pipeline mm -hmm, in order to, mm -hmm. to add more. So like, there's a nice, there is something nice about that um, in contrast to a Bitcoin mine. But when you look at a Bitcoin mine, there's a lot of advantages beyond beyond that, right? The one drawdown is is the fact that yes, it scales linearly. So if you want to consume, you know, a million cubic feet of gas, well, you have to generate enough power that you're consuming a million cubic feet of gas per day, right? And so you have to get an engine that's going to produce three and a half, four megawatts. Um, and so it's like, you want to do 10? Well, now you need to get 30 or 40 megawatts of power generation outside. And so it's going to cost you the whole way, the whole way up. Um, the benefits are the upfront capital is, is much more attractive than a, than a pipeline, right? And because that, it, because it scales linearly, right? For example, when you're an oil and gas producer and, and, and like I mentioned earlier, and you only have 50,000 cubic feet that you're flaring, you're never going to build a pipeline, right? I mean, even if the price of gas went to like $20 an MCF, right? Like the price to build a pipeline for, you know, a lot of these remote wells, it's just infeasible. Like sure, it's truly sure. not even, it's not even a and, discussion to have. And so, and, to, so, and Adam, to, to be clear, when you say gas, yeah. you're talking about the, the, um, the gas component of gasoline that's coming off the well. We're not talking about a liquid component. Um, just, just for the so listeners. Yeah, like it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gas being it's gaseous. Yes. Um, yeah. And it's it's methane for the most part, right? It's, it's methane. Maybe sometimes it's got some you know heavier propanes and hexanes in there, but for the most part, we're talking about methane. And so, um, you know, with this, when making this comparison, there's some the benefits of a Bitcoin mine. One, the upfront capital oftentimes is not nearly as as significant, right? Because it's like, hey, well, for fifty thousand cubic feet, like per day, maybe we just we only have to you know generate two hundred kilowatts of power, like getting a 200 kilowatt engine and a Bitcoin mine and some miners is going to cost a lot less than laying miles and miles of pipeline. I'm um, getting all the permitting and everything else required. And then two, look at the buy, look at the, the usability of this, right? So say I want to sell that well, well, I can sell that well and go, and I can pick up my Bitcoin mine and go drop it off somewhere else, right? With the pipeline, nice. that's a sunk cost, yeah. right? That's just sitting there. I can't go place that anywhere else. That's, and, and then, you know, what if you have, what if you have a leak with that pipeline because they leak, I mean, it can yeah. cost you six figures just to find the leak, let alone fix it. So like, there's all of these. And then the bottom line is counterparty risk, right? Even when you connect to the pipeline, now you're, the pipeline is buying your gas from you. And so you're, you're subject to them, right? There's been times when oil and gas producers, they do everything right. They're under budget ahead of schedule and they're going well for five, six months. And then something happens where the pipeline company gets shut down for six months because they cut some corners and producer declares bankruptcy because he's got no option. Right. So now that's really the disruption that Bitcoin adds. Right. And that's why I mentioned the Bitcoin network as this autonomous energy consumption market is because what it provides, the real killer app is optionality. Right. The sheer option of saying, hey, I can sell my energy here or here. Right. So anywhere you're producing energy, mm -hmm. you now have this this option. So it could be middle of Antarctica, you know, whatever. Like, hey, we, we could tap into this market. Let's run the numbers, see if it's viable. I can tell you're a sales guy. It's awesome. <laughs> Adam, <laughs> when so uh, take that take that small situation where the the producer goes bankrupt or whatever or uh, belly up, and the guy with the couple of wells on his property. I mean, if he's not pumping though, he can't flare. Is that is that right? Is that or is that well, yeah, incorrect? Yeah. I mean, no, no, that's fair. And so the nice thing about a Bitcoin mine, right? So you know, this this brings into question, like, hey, why haven't why haven't you know energy intensive industries gone? and sought out these stranded energy sources before in the oil field. Well, they kind of have, 
Um, this isn't the first time data centers have been put in the oil field. However, you've got to think about it as a matter of pra practicality and pragmatism here, because the other option in terms of data centers are typically like an Amazon or a Microsoft or one of those companies. They go find, you know, a bunch of gas wells, typically gas wells, not like stranded oil wells with some gas, but gas wells that don't have pipeline yet. And they are like, hey, there's a hundred years of power here. Like we could set a data center here and we'd get really low power costs, so lower than, you know, if we build our billion dollar data center somewhere else. And we can do a deal with the oil and gas producers. Like maybe we buy the wells as Amazon, like we actually produce, you know, that has been done before to some scale because, but the issue is that, that that market isn't nearly as flexible. See, the nice thing about Bitcoin is an oil and gas producer can set their Bitcoin mine, you know, on their flare gas. And if the well goes down, okay, like that's fine. Then the Bitcoin mine will turn off. No big deal, right? I mean, the problem yeah. is an Amazon, okay. an Amazon data center goes down, like people's phones stop working. That's right. right? Like, okay. like websites, stop, right? Stop loading. And so the Bitcoin network is really flexible where you can, you know, unlike, unlike most counterparties where unless you're providing them exactly what they're demanding when they're demanding it, they're going to get upset, right? So if you constantly turn off from the pipeline and turn back on from the pipeline, like if your wells keep going down, you'll actually be penalized, right? You, you have mm. a certain amount of gas that you have to commit to the pipeline and you have to produce. Um, with Bitcoin, there's no obligation like that, right? I mean, like I, I could sell a gigawatt today and sell nothing tomorrow and nobody's going to call me. Nobody's going to even care, right? And so it's this very flexible market that's just it's it's truly, you know, the the electricity purchaser of last resort is the Bitcoin network, right? It's the sure, last place sure. you can dump you can dump any kind of energy if you've got nowhere else to put it. And it's and it's in the viable form this that we know as you know electricity or something that's readily, you know, easily turn can can be converted into electricity. Um, without okay, you know, with minimal loss, right? Like yeah. Like I didn't make the connection between the data center and the Bitcoin mine. So you you guys basically have two business um, channels for what you're doing. You're you are placing no, a data. data a, a data center is a Bitcoin mine. Same thing. Okay, uh, fair yeah, fair enough. But in a in a non Bitcoin world, there are data centers that can be hooked up to oil and gas rigs or no, uh, not really. no, it has been done before, but at large scale. Yes. Got it. Okay. Okay. And the reason it hasn't is because Amazon can't go around and set data centers in places. One, I mean, there's a security issue there, right? They yeah. Got it. Yeah. Those, right. But beyond that, if, if those wells go down, which oftentimes they do, right, they need a work over or whatever. Um, yeah. Amazon needs 100% uptime. Like, got it. so maybe, maybe Amazon would build next to a gas field where there's 30 wells feeding into a line and they only need the production of eight wells. And so the likelihood that 22 go down is, you know, infinitesimal. So they're, they're willing to, you know, build there. But again, that, that would be like a very specific niche, you know, all the kind of stars have to align in order for it to make sense. Whereas Bitcoin, like you said, it's a no brainer for these oil and gas producers that are wasting energy, even just a little bit, because now, you know, they have a market for it. Okay. Very good. Uh, as you so are you guys producing, do you actually manufacture the hash huts and, and procure the, the miners yourselves? Or do you guys subcontract with somebody else to do that? No, no, we fabricate and, in house. I mean, so we, we, fantastic. Steel. we, yeah. So it's our own proprietary design um, and uh, designed by Steve Barber. You know, we, we initially started out like the other companies that are out there doing similar stuff where we were, you know, cutting holes and shipping containers and, calling it more or less a data center, um, mm -hmm. you know, then, but you do that to figure out what you want, right? You figure, you do that to figure out exactly what you want to build. And so, you know, our design is great because, you know, Steve, Steve solved for, solved for a really frustrating scaling dilemma that exists, right? With, with Bitcoin mining in the oil field or any Bitcoin mining away from the grid at all right now. And that's, that's the fact that currently there's two generations of ASICs that are mm -hmm. still viable to mine with. And, the newer generation of ASICs consume a lot more electricity per cubic foot of space that they occupy. So in other words, if you want to consume a megawatt, if you use the new computers, you don't need very much space. In fact, we can do it with an eight foot by 20 foot building. Um, okay. But if, you, if you're going to use the older computers, you need an eight foot by 40 foot building. Okay. Right? So okay. we built, yeah, so we build from eight feet by four feet all the way up to eight feet by 40 feet. Um, you know, same design, symmetrical uh, build. and Built, we we hit all kilowatt levels in between. So, you know, we can build for you know 10 or 12 
10 or 12 different um, power capacities all the way down to, like I said, 50 kilowatts, right? And so we can build for the real small stuff. What's the, and what, what does the mining market look like right now? And, you know, with basically all the manufacturing concentrated in China for, for miners, I mean, is it, is it tough to get a hold What's, of miners or? Oh yeah. So, I mean, the hardware side of this, of this Bitcoin industry, right? The Bitcoin mining and the hardware side of Bitcoin mining is very immature, right? It, it needs significant investment and significant time and, and work need to be, be dedicated to it. Um, ultimately, what we're talking about when it comes to Bitcoin miners is the, these machines are, are entering, or I guess they're, they're running toward commoditization, right? That's, that's what we're talking about. At the end of the day, I'd say, in, I mean, it would surprise me if it was more than eight years, but certainly by the end of the decade, I think pretty much everyone's gonna be mining with the same stuff. Right. No, I mean, maybe there's going to be some variance in efficiency and models out there. But for the most part, we're going to see commoditization where, you know, there's there's Moore's law. We're, we're kind of up against that with the seven nanometer chips. Right. We're, the, new, the, the newest Bitcoin miners that are out there today, they are so thermodynamically efficient. It is incredible. Like they are mm. they are breaching on thermodynamic law. I think right now mm. the S19 Pro, the what's minor M30 S plus or something. They're like around 28, 27 watts per tera hash, which um, is it's like 10,000 times more efficient than mm. the absolute best gaming computer you could go buy out there for 20 grand. You know, I mean, like the, wow. the, the thermodynamic efficiency of these of these circuits is remarkable. Um, and there's not much more room left to improve, right? To, to step down to five and three nanometer, we're talking about printing a circuit in such a small space that we no longer can predict the direction of a, of an electron. Right. Wow. So, okay. Like we're talking about like the most sophisticated, the most sophisticated, anything, you know, most sophisticated technology that's taking place on earth is microelectronic fabrication is, is seven nanometer, um, ASIC printing circuitry print printing. So it's a lot of money needs coming. Like, I mean, like the, you know, this is the bottom line is, in the world right now, there's a global shortage for um, semiconductors, for for chips, right, for ASICs. And the way in which, because of how Bitcoin miners want to use their these chips, right, be for the purpose of just mining Bitcoin, right, and getting an economic return, there's an economic issue at play where the cost to produce the chip is so high because just the cost to get on the foundry floor, because you have to compete with Samsung and Apple and you know these companies that are willing to pay so much more to get a chip printed because they're trying to make you an iPhone and they know they get, if they get an iPhone in your hand, like the amount of money they're gonna get out of that is insane. Whereas mm -hmm. a Bitcoin miner is like not gonna pay more than this for a Bitcoin mine, miner unless like the price of Bitcoin goes up. Like that would be the only reason maybe they would then you know increase their, you know, their economic surplus, right? And so, you know, at the end of the day, it's not, it, it's, it's kind of a pain in the butt, but upstream data, we've been around since 20, you know, 16, we've made a lot of relationships. I help a lot of oil and gas producers get computers, right? Cause they're not, they don't know what they're buying. They haven't interacted in this space before they're they're I'm educating them and I'm, I'm giving them recommendations and then they don't, they have nowhere to really go source ASICs. And so absolutely we're, we supply them ASICs. Oftentimes we, we supply them. Like oftentimes we're a one-stop shop where guys call me, we provide them with, you know, a portable data center, the power generation, the computers to go in it. And, you know, of course, we hold their hand. We, we help make sure that they get configured and we teach them about mining pools and give them recommendations on why we think one is maybe better than the other. Um, you know, we're, we're teaching them how to become Bitcoin miners, right? I mean, one of the, one of the most common things that happens is, is an oil and gas producer calls me and he's calling me, asking me, you know, hey, could upstream data come buy my gas, right? That's what he thinks we do. He thinks that we come in mm. and we bring up a, a Bitcoin mine with an engine and computers. We take all this risk and we just come buy their gas for pipeline prices. And I, I, I you know, immediately, my job is to tell him like one, you know, you can mine Bitcoin. Like, so oftentimes I ask him like, do you think that you can't mine? Like, do you think it's outside of your, you know, your expertise? And they usually they say like, I don't know. And it's like, oh, okay, well, like, let me tell you, like, I, I really think you can. Um, because I know that you are very proficient at generating power and that's 
the name of the game here. Um, the computers take care of themselves for the most part. And you can learn that stuff, right? You can learn how to plug these things in and you can learn how to clock them. That That's the last 10%. The first 90 is power. So, you know, I teach them that. And then I show them the economics. I'm like, listen, if you have a Bitcoin miner come in here and he's going to buy your gas from for you at maybe, maybe not its you know, pipeline price, because why would he do that? He, he would probably just go connect to the grid. Um, but maybe it's some, you know, factor of that, maybe half of whatever spot price is at the time. And then he's going to turn around and he's going to make $10 an MCF or, you know, he's going to make 800 to, you know, 2,500% more with your gas. And he's, that's why he's taking this risk. And so next year, are you going to be comfortable buying Bitcoin computers? Or is it going to be the year after that? Like at some right, point, right. you're going to wake up and you're going to realize like, shit, this Bitcoin thing, sorry, but you know, heck, this Bitcoin thing's not going anywhere. You know, like maybe then they're finally going to think to themselves, like how much does a Bitcoin mine cost? Right. Like yeah. how much could this possibly cost? Like, obviously the person that is paying me, you know, X amount for my gas, they're making more than they're paying me. Otherwise they wouldn't be there. And so like, you know, maybe I should look into it. And, and that's what I try to teach them. I'm like, and, you know, listen, especially if you're the one coming at it, you, and and you don't need to buy this fancy hardware, right? Because if it's if you're the one producing the gas, you oftentimes can buy this older the older Bitcoin miners. They're they're definitely efficient enough because your power is essentially free, right? especially if it's a waste. Um, it's okay, so, so all right, so that that kind of speaks to that that question. You don't have to use the latest and greatest because you're not trying to compete on the price of the energy because you've got it you've got it for free. Exactly, and the latest and greatest. I mean, the capital that you have to bring to the table to to get the latest and greatest is significantly more. I mean, it makes it an entirely different investment. For example, we, we build a 900 kilowatt, um, hash out 900 kilowatt data center. So almost a megawatt. You can either fill that with about 640 of the old machines. They're about maybe $500 each. So 320 grand, or you can fill it with 230, 240 of these new machines and they're 10 grand each. So you can mm. either have 300 grand in a, in that, building or you can have two and a half million dollars in that building right like yeah. that's wow that's yeah. and here's the thing like you know the the amount of the amount of hash rate you get is not equivalent to the amount of dollars you're spending right so that's that's where the actual the older machines actually are more pragmatic and more practical in my opinion for guys in the oil field certainly for their first project right when they're i mean the, the comparison i make is like you know it's a it's a chevy silverado versus a ferrari Right. Like, and this sure. is the oil field. Don't, don't be stupid. Right. Um, you know, when you, when you go fancy in the oil field, you go broke in the oil field. Right? That's, so, that's what I want. Uh, a four by four Ferrari. That'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the all wheel drive, the all wheel drive Ferrari that they make. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. And, that, and that's kind of what we're talking about. I think that's where the commoditization yeah. comes in is it's going to okay. be like, Hey, what's going to be the machine that everyone uses. I think it's going to be somewhere in the middle. I think it's going to be close to what, we know today, if anybody cares, it would be the, the What's Minor M21S, right? Which is, you know, it's kind of about, it does about a half as much computational work as the brand new stuff and consumes about the same amount of power. Um, so it's, I mean, it's still incredibly efficient. It's like 60 or 55 watts per terahash or something. I mean, it's still, um, an, you know, really, really efficient chip. It's just not, you know, the absolute you know, got it. Got it. It's not the, of, it's not the Ferrari. Got it. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Right. And so yeah. that's, and by the way, like, I mean, are you, are you going to sleep at night with two and a half million dollars sitting on right. the field? Like when you know, when you know a storm's coming through, right. Like, right. Probably not. So like, let's, yeah. let's make sure we do an investment where you can sleep. Right. And so like, it's, yeah. it's, it's just about teaching these oil and gas producers about making it real to them. Right. Cause in their mind, Bitcoin is this Mario internet token. You know, they oftentimes they ask me, you know, do I need a, do we need a whole coin before we can sell it? Right. And I'm like, absolutely not. Like, yeah, you can sell one dollar and one million dollars. Like, like, it's yeah. So, the, you know, all those kinds yeah. of basic things. It's very right. Hard. Yeah. Just just the fact that they're oil and gas doesn't mean they know everything about Bitcoin. They have the same questions that that we all have when we first get into it. Exactly. So the the OK, so I want to ask you two questions because I want to drill back down on the, the chip issue. What is driving the chip issue, the shortage of chips? And then I want to segue into this concept uh, with a solar grid and, you know, wh where you see that going. And I've heard you on some previous podcasts as well, and you're projecting that it's, it's going to get to a tipping point where basically most major oil and gas producers are going to have Bitcoin mines, mining um, rigs on their, on their um, equipment. So but anyway, the, the chip question, and then let's segue into kind of a solar grid option for something like this. 
Yeah. So, you know, first of all, I'm, I'm no chip expert, right? Um, I've only, I only became obsessed with paying attention to, to, you know, microelectronic fabrication and that supply chain 2018 when I dove into Bitcoin. Right. Um, and so, you know, take, I guess, take my, my insight with a grain of salt and what I'm seeing on the ground, but there's a couple of things going on right now. One is demand for chips is incredibly high. It's probably, you know, it's as high as it's ever been. Um, and global capacity hasn't increased much, right? So a lot of, a lot, in my opinion, a lot of these companies, you know, you look at like IBM, I mean, the United States used to lead the world in microelectronic mm-hmm. fabrication. Um, and then we financialized, um, we, we started, I mean, here's the thing, like microelectronic fabrication also has, there's some environmental impact there, right? It's a pretty, it's a pretty nasty kind of a process. Not always, but for the most part, yeah, like there's, you know, there's definitely environmental concerns. And so a lot of chip production was outsourced to Southeastern Asia, Southeastern China. Um, you know, I want to say in the late nineties, early two thousands around that time. And nobody in no chip producers in the United States invested in their own facilities for the most part, like not even close to the amount of money that got invested in China. And so the scales got tipped really quick, like within a decade, 14 years, all of a sudden, you know, it's like 60 plus percent of chips are getting produced in Southeast Asia. And, you know, pretty much that's a national security issue because we're talking about chips that get made for the military. Um, We're talking about, you know, pretty much all product, like, like Ford is having issues shipping trucks because yep. they can't get they can't get ASIC. So like we're talking about all these other ancillary dependent industries get impacted. And you know, from the point of view of the, the chip manufacturers, they only need to expand once they need to. I mean, they have like an oligopoly on this, right? And I think there's from what I understand, it's pretty much monopoly when it comes to the actual equipment that's used to manufacture um, you know, chips. Like that's pretty much that equipment is pretty much manufactured by one by one company. Wow. So it's very bottle. I mean, like I said, this is the most advanced stuff that humans are doing. Like if this is my opinion beyond what's going, you know, beyond putting humans in space. Right. I mean, I, it's, it's comparable with putting a man on Mars is the, wow. the level of complexity. Um, bare minimum. If you want to, if you want to erect a microelectronic fabrication facility, I think bare minimum investment is 25, $30 billion. Like that's the starting point. We probably need to see half a trillion dollars invested into microelectronic fabrication facilities over the next five years to even get to a point where we're starting to match global demand. Um, it's a serious problem. This is not this is not a Bitcoin issue. This is a, I mean, this is this is a human issue, right? This is this is our ability to leverage technology is hindered by our inability to meet the demand for chips, right? I mean, that's really how software gets leveraged. It's hardware. If we can't yeah. produce hardware, all the, all the man hours, all the investment dollars that get put into software are, are you know, for, for not because we're not even going to be able to, to produce the hardware to leverage it. And so, you know, this is this is a humanity issue. And um, I hope that Bitcoin, I mean, this is the thing I've run the numbers. I mean, for Bitcoin to be the thing that drives um, a company to say, hey, I want to go produce, you know, ASICs for, for Bitcoin mining and maybe, you know, branch out and provide ASICs for other, you know, industries or other products. Um, we're going to need to see like a six, seven, we're going to need to see a seven figure Bitcoin price, right? I mean, wow. we, nobody's going to mm-hmm. invest $30 billion in a microelectronic fab. Yeah. When right now there, there's literally, there's only a hundred billion dollars of Bitcoin to be mined over the next yeah. 120 years. Right? Yeah. There's only two, you know, 2 million Bitcoin left, right? So that's yeah. 80, 85 billion bucks, $90 billion. Like we need a million dollar Bitcoin price. And now we've got $2 trillion dollars left to mine over the next 120 years then they'll then they'll spend 25 and 30 billion dollars yeah. and then things will start getting getting serious you know I, I almost want to bite my tongue when i say something like this but you you wonder if this is some sort of thing where the government should actually fund something like this i mean i hate to say that but uh you they know are, for to some degree i know i think the biden administration kicked you know some some incentive or some you know they were going to invest alongside i think it's ibm um or maybe Texas Instruments, I can't remember. One of them to to you know twenty five or thirty billion dollars they were pledging to erect microelectronic um, like fabrications here in the United States. But okay. still, like that's peanuts to what we need. Yeah. Like we, yeah. we need stupid amounts of money to come in, and it's not going to really come until until you know those the people holding that money have dollar signs in their eyes, right? Until they yeah. think yeah. that they're going to get a return. 
So uh, segue into where you see the uh, solar market and a hash hut playing a playing a role. And, you know, um, is that a viable option now or do you think there's going to have to be some maturity in that in that arena, whether it's solar, you know, efficiency or, or whatnot? Um, how do you see that playing out? Let me, let me ask you, like, what, why do you, why do you ask about solar specifically? Like, what do you it, it mean in terms of well, like, the viability of, of erecting solar power yeah. generation for the sole purpose of mining Bitcoin? Yeah. So, you know, I, I, Alex Gladstein wrote a great piece on stranded energy and how Bitcoin could uh, transform stranded energy. I've done a lot of missions trips and been to a lot of places where, you know, you go there and build a church or dig a water well, but if you could put a hash hut there and generate Bitcoin for, you know, a group that's in the middle of Africa or in, or in the jungle somewhere. And I know there's some temperature issues, but you know, that that's the interest is taking something like that, putting it somewhere where a people can generate Bitcoin and have basically like a universal basic income that they're that they're generating for themselves um, based on a natural resource that um, they have plenty of, usually sun or wind or something like that. And I think it's also an interesting concept, you know, as Westerners, whether you believe in, and I'm not a big proponent of beating up on Western Europeans for, you know, the ills of the, of the world, but uh, let's face it, we've done some bad things. And, um, you know, thinking about taking a concept like that to Africa and it's almost like a, um, not a, not a, not a restitution, but the basically giving back something and providing a way for them to earn money uh, without exploiting them because we've, we've exploited indigenous peoples, you know, all over the world. So just from a humanitarian perspective, um, coming up with something like that, does that make sense? Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, no, I think there's a humanitarian aspect in the sense that absolutely there are, there's not just stranded energy, right? There are stranded communities Yeah, there are absolutely. Communities that are stranded in they're ge- geographically stranded, but then they're stranded in like, you know, another century in the sense that they don't have reliable and, and, economic um, electricity or power, right? Um, Nigeria comes to mind where like the entire country runs on diesel and they Mm. flare more gas than like, you know, almost anyone. Um, They're right up there in the top, like five, I think. Um, Even though they're not that big, they have so much weight, so many wasted hydrocarbons um, and they have no grid infrastructure for some reason, even though they're like one of the most energy rich nations out there. No, like they have horrible grid infrastructure. Everything runs on diesel generators. So I think what Bitcoin's impact is going to be, let's take your example about a stranded community. Um, I don't know about this. I don't know about the aspect of them earning the Bitcoin rewards necessarily, right? That Because that's that becomes just kind of like a, a, a an attempt to, to get a perpetual kind of a charity, which I think is, is tough. Um, but what I will say is that with stranded communities, there's now the opportunity to provide them power. Because right? this is it's a chicken and the egg problem where it's like, hey, if you see this community that could could greatly benefit from having reliable and affordable electricity and abundant electricity, right? Well, the problem is that that they don't have it yet. So when you go there and you provide it, they can't consume it, right? Yeah. So right, and then like, so you're not going to make any money, and you're not you're going to have to like literally build out the entire infrastructure and all the grid, and then and give them the appliances so that they can consume power. Where Bitcoin comes in, it's like, hey, I could come to this community that's by a river, right? And we and it, I'll spend the money to you know dam up the river and start producing power, and I'll mine Bitcoin with it to be getting my initial return. And with those returns, I'll reinvest, and then we'll start building out grid. And now that we've got power here, it will attract investment, you know, from from elsewhere to come here and build out a manufacturing facility because I'll give them a special you know power rate because I'm trying to incentivize business here. And the next thing you know two decades pass and you have a fucking civilization, sorry, you have a civilization that is back, you have a civilization that is back to the present, right? You have a civilization that is brought to, um, is able to leverage current technology and able to, to, you know, benefit from the quality of life that we've been able to provide. Um, and I think there's, and it's natural, right? Whereas today what we find is, you know, I've talked about this before is like where like the Gates Foundation comes in, right? And they, they essentially just burn money to provide you know, either like a wastewater treatment or some kind of power for a community. And 
you know, it ends up being a bad thing because they end up just being like this kind of mobster that came in and now everyone is subject to them. Like now everyone's like, yeah. please don't leave. Right. But the Gates Foundation, they're, they're burning money. It's not it's not economically sustainable. Maybe they're making money with this project over here and it's enough money to offset their losses here. So it's sustainable in, in, in the eyes of the foundation, but it's truly not sustainable. And so if the Gates Foundation were to leave, nobody would come and fill that spot. Whereas with Bitcoin, it takes away that that ability for the, you know, I, I use the Gates Foundation because they're not honestly the nicest people out there. Right, um, right. But, but like you know, they they pretty much are the only ones that would ever do this. And now with Bitcoin, it's like, well, that's still a raging river. I'm a capitalist. Yeah. I'll 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 provide these people electricity. I think it's you know somebody will come in and do that, and so it makes everybody play fair, and it removes that even that incentive, that ability to to you know be kind of tyrannical or or be corrupt. Yeah. And, and, and I think that, uh, looking at it in that frame, I hadn't thought of it like that. What I was thinking more, and by the way, for the listeners, Adam's a great guy. Um, and I told him to use professional language, but he slipped every now and then, but it's okay. He's a good guy. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I did, I'm so sorry. Yeah. It, it's okay. It excited, is. You know, I no, get, no, 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 you're fine. You're fine. Um, I value your expertise and that's why I wanted to talk to you. Um, pardon me. So the, the way I was looking at it was kind of a, an all charity. And what I'm hearing from you is kind of a, a mix between, yeah, go in and provide the mine and, and the energy source, whatever it is, hydro or solar. And then you can do this as a philanthropist. You can do it as a business guy. And there's, it sounds like there's kind of a scale that you can operate on from, you know, well, if, no, I, if I, yeah, sorry, sorry. I was going to say like you're, your idea, you know, and your kind of take on it, I think is possible. Um, I think, you know, obviously the way I look at it is the best charity is economically sustainable charity, right? Like yes. that's, you know, if it, right. And so like, maybe it looks something like, you know, rather than it necessarily being like where, you know, you set up these miners and everybody just gets kind of like an equal payout or something at every month. Maybe it's something where it's like, Hey, we're going to set up this operation. We're going to need people to look after it. Right. And like learn how to plug machines. Sure, and, sure. And config, right. And so like we're going to it's going to one stimulate like some some, you know, we can pay you, obviously. And then, yeah, maybe it's like, hey, you know, the person that invested in this, they're, you know, they're, they they take 90 percent of all the earnings every month until they get their money back. And then once they get their money back, they they it flips where they only get 10 percent and they distribute 90 percent to everybody in the area or, or, you know, you because you'd be able to you'd have that optionality. Right. Um, and right. that flexibility, right? Because you've got this, you know, relatively low cost power source, right? Hydroelectric yeah. would be probably the most viable for that kind of situation, just because, you know, the, it's really that upfront cost. And then the maintenance on it is, is marginal relative to the amount of power you can produce and you can produce significant power, right? Sure. Um, other forms would be, I think like solar and stuff, it'd be a little more tough because, you know, you're talking about it. I mean, that's intermittent power generation, right? And so yeah. there's always- well, there- yeah, there, there was a great, great article. I guess the, the research piece out of uh, ARC Investment was Square, and they were doing a an analysis of how much solar, how much solar you can put into a grid, and it it really to be efficient can only max out about forty percent solar. But if you add batteries with Bitcoin miners, you can get a solar um, up to about ninety over ninety percent solar on a grid um, using the batteries uh, for for as a capacitor, and I guess the the miners as well. Um, yeah. So the, yeah, but at what cost? I, I would say, I would always ask at what cost? I mean, that's right. That's, that's right. It's huge, but yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, and you, you know, if you have a benevolent Gates foundation, you know, um, and I'm not advocating for them at all, but if you had a big enough benevolent foundation come in and say, you know, we'll pay for this. And, you know, if we get a marginal return on it, fine. Um, so that, that's, that's just kind of where the mind's going and, and my mind's going and, you know, as far as a UBI, you think about the kingdom of Saudi Arabia or, you know, it used to be in Alaska. Everyone that lived in Alaska used to get royalty income. But, you know, the same the same sort of the same sort of concept where you're taking a natural resource that these people have never been able to benefit from before and um, providing a way for them to actually benefit from that. So that that's kind of where that where that uh, thought came from. But um, that's really interesting that. Adam, could you speak a little bit to the um, temperature, humidity, sensitivity of these units? And, you know, 
a lot of places that need this type of technology for this concept, you know, are what we call in the 10, uh, 1040 window around the equator. Uh, a lot of those are high humidity and, and, um, hot. It, how, how will, do you think Bitcoin mining rigs will ever be made to tolerate temperatures like that? And I know there's some immersion technology, but, um, when, when will that become viable in, in those regions, do you think? Well, I think it's viable already. Um, you know, I'd say that these machines are already built to withstand really high temperatures. Um, I'd say the newer machines are more sensitive, right? So some guys, sometimes I speak with, with um, folks who, who have the assumption that the newer machines um, are more durable and better in that way. And I, I actually look at them the opposite. Like I look at the Antminer S9, you know, as being, like I said, like kind of like the AK-47, the, the Chevy pickup truck where, I mean, I've dropped the dang things and, and plugged them in, they still work. Um, you know, they're, they, they can run, I've seen S9s run with a thick amount of dust in really hot weather. It's, it's usually when you get larger particles and there's any moisture. So like bugs or, you know, plant matter that's, that's got any moisture in it, that'll mess up the circuitry. Um, or you're talking about really high temps, like, like we've got, um, we've, we've deployed a few Bitcoin mines to West Texas, right? Obviously there's plenty of oil and gas out in the Permian and, and Midland and such. And so um, we, we put some Bitcoin mines out there. What it comes down to with those is it's a matter of turning down the computers a little bit, right? And so that's what's nice about these ASICs. Certainly the, the older generation, the Antminer S9, they can already run really hot, right? I mean, they, that's why they, they have the fans that they do on them, right? They know that the boards are going to get hot. Um, it's just a matter of being able to dissipate that heat. So for the most part, you know, air, air is a terrible way to, to dissipate heat, but it's very cheap. <laughs> and so, you know, for the most practical and economic design is to, to, you know, blow a whole ton of air over these. And that, you know, that is sufficient for the most part, really hot days. You can automate the, the miners to say, Hey, like, you know, at sunrise at 7am clock down 15%, right? So instead okay. of consuming 13, 1300 Watts each, right. You're consuming, I don't know, maybe 1150 or something, right. Or a thousand Watts each. And so, yes, they're going to earn a little bit less Bitcoin. Maybe their profitability isn't going to be as great, but it's marginal, right? It's, I mean, usually you, you clock the machines down 20%, you might only lose 12% of their hashing, right? Because it's a, it's not a perfect one-to-one. -one. Um, and so really a lot of it is just under, you know, understanding the environment you're in and properly clocking the ASICs, you know, and I think you can run along the equator. It'd be more of an issue when it comes to um, coastal humidity, right? Like I said, I mentioned to you, I think before we started recording, you know, the, if you're, if you're talking about humidity with, with, a lot of salinity in the air, right? A lot of salt, um, and it's and it's briny. That will corrode ASICs real quick, and so that'll corrode the the um, you know the circuitry really quick. And so, you know, I imagine there would have to be some type of filtration on the intake where you're really dehydrating the air, right? Like you're you're grabbing um, as many particles out of that out of that air on the intake. I'm not I'm not exactly sure. Sure, sure. You know, what 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 kind of thing? But honestly. The easiest way to, to obviously get away from that would be then immersion, right? Um, which I think immersion is just not very practical. It makes, I mean, if you're if you're going to place miners somewhere that they're going to sit for a long, long time, um, and you know you've got the one, the know-how, and two, the capital <laughs> um, to go with immersion because it's it's spendy. Um, then then sure, and there are some benefits that you know kills pretty much all the sound. Um, you can potentially reuse the heat, and you can overclock the, the machines. You can actually even push them. You know, beyond their limits to some degree, and they'll be a little bit less efficient, but nominally you'll be earning more Bitcoin. So there's some, you know, it's it's all a game of trade-offs. Yeah, yeah, very good, very good. And I haven't studied. I mean, I know of immersion, but I haven't actually studied it. And I, I presume that the is the liquid recycled, or is it is it continuously? Um, are you using a lot of immersion liquid uh, yeah, for that so process? That's, from what I understand, and I'm no, I'm not an immersion expert either. Um, you know, but from what I understand, that's really where, you know, kind of the pragmatism comes in. Where if you have a contained system, right, like a bath, where it's got a filter that is, you know, super, super efficient and long lasting, where it's going to be able to filter this this dielectric fluid, um, where you don't have to change it for like years, then 
you know, the idea there is that like, once you shut that lid and the thing's going, like you shouldn't have to touch it for years, potentially. Sure. Um, okay. The problem yeah. is, is that, you know, yeah. So like, I think, I, but I think that, you know, some it's like, Hey, if you don't have a great filter, then you might have to change out your fluid every six months or, you know, I, it, again, it, I think it's all, there's some, so there's a lot of variability in there or there's sure. some variability in there. I think like pragmatism when it comes to the oil field, there's other things to consider like one beyond the cost, but two, like, even if it, one drop of that dielectric fluid hits the ground, now you have a, a reportable incident. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You have a, you have a ke- chemical spill on site. Um, uh, like you can be your whole oil and gas operation gets shut down because you have to get inspected. Um, so like there's all these other just like pragmatic, Hey, this is going to cause more headaches than it solves. Um, where, you know, maybe it's not appropriate for, for the oil field just yet. And maybe it will be one day and, and maybe in certain you know jurisdictions, it's going to be a lot more pragmatic. Um, than others and 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 such but again this is we're all kind of figuring this out right this is we're in the top yeah. of the first inning when it comes to yeah. <laughs> bitcoin mining really being taken seriously and i mean really the amp miner s9 asics have really only been around for you know call it maybe six years and so like this is brand new i mean this is the very yeah. beginning we're here we're talking about it like there's history but there's there's way more future than history to be had here so yeah. Well, great, Adam. I, I don't want to keep you too long. I know you're busy. Um, if just kind of project out for me and for the audience, I mean, if you if you look at you know where we on are, are on Bitcoin adoption, we're really early. If we look at where we are for Bitcoin adoption within the oil and gas industry, um, it, it sounds like we're even lower on the adoption scale. I mean, do, how long? do you think it's going to be before there's a financial tipping point where ONG producers are like, we have to do this? It's a great question. Um, again, it's chicken. It's kind of the chicken and the egg problem where there certainly were a lot of oil and gas producers that called that, that either got back in touch or got in touch with us for the first time, you know, April, April, May, um, when Bitcoin, was breaking through 50,000 on, you know, then past 60,000. I mean, the guys that had, that knew about this, you know, had a quote in their inbox um, at the beginning of 2020, right. They looked like fools for not having pulled the trigger on it right around January, 2021. And so a lot of them, yes, absolutely. They like, they already felt kind of that tipping point, but again, it's, it's, it's kind of almost like everybody is in their own class where you almost need to see Bitcoin at a certain price and see its viability. Mm. And then, you know, get, and then look at the price again and see that it's higher and more viable. And, and then it gets you to move. I mean, at the end of the day, Bitcoin's price is, is kind of the strongest signal, the, the, the biggest motivator in my mind. But what I will say is, is you cannot discount the fact that I'd say right now, Bitcoin mining is the absolute number one hottest topic in oil and gas, bar none. Interesting. I mean, I, I was talking about it in 2018. Nobody wanted to talk to me. Nobody would talk. They'd laugh at you. They'd move on. Now it's, I mean, 275 people showed up in Houston at a Bitcoin meetup. Uh, most were oil and gas producers. There's like literally conferences being dedicated just for, you know, Bitcoin mining and, and the oil field and stuff. Like this is, I'd say the hottest topic in oil and gas right now. Um, because right, right as Bitcoin was in April, May, right as Bitcoin was getting up to the, you know, 55,000, you got to keep in mind from the oil and gas producers perspective, this is all again about an energy market. And so right now, um, natural gas prices have lifted in the last 30 days pretty significantly. But for the most part, oil and gas producers were getting about $3 or $4, you could call it now, um, per MCF, per thousand cubic feet of gas. Mining Bitcoin with the newer generation machines today, right now, as we sit here at $43,000 Bitcoin, oil and gas producers are earning like $25 in MCF with new machines. Okay. So it's like an eight X wow. better market wow. Even with the, with the, with the five-year-old machines, maybe $8 in MCF today, maybe a little bit more nine, $10 in MCF. Um, so like, it sounds too good to be true in many ways. And trust me, they're talking, I mean, you tell them there's a $10 in MCF market out there. They'll listen to you. Um, and so a lot of this again, though, it's just education. So I'd say the excitement level, the awareness I'd say is higher than it's ever been. So and like, now understanding doesn't not necessarily match awareness. There's still a massive education gap that needs to be filled. And then I'm excited for, you know, cause these are, I'm, I'm talking every day to guys that are way smarter than me, like these petroleum engineers, chemical engineers, geologists, 
way, way smarter people than I am. And when they fully understand what Bitcoin is and they get proficient with the nuances, it's going to be fun to watch them go run with it and to watch them educate people even smarter than them, right? Like to see, to see that compounding factor. And I'm seeing that it just takes time, right? Just the world moves slow and we're living live. Yeah. I guess it's for, for the oil and gas industry, there's not, there's probably not a lot of significant innovation. I mean, there's incremental innovation, but I guess fracking was probably the last major innovation, big innovation that the public was aware of. And maybe Bitcoin's the next big innovation in oil and gas for sure. Yeah. That's, that's really- I'd say that, yeah, when it comes to disruptions, there hasn't really been a disruption in oil and gas since, since horizontal drilling, right? Since the advent of horizontal drilling or fracking. Um, I'd say that we're gonna, what we're going to find is, what I think we're going to find is kind of a, a renaissance or well, I've, said, I've said an industrial re-revolution, right? Yeah, uh, in energy yeah. production and power generation. I think we're going to see innovations around internal combustion engines potentially, um, right? Maybe not at like the small, you know, drive your car scale, but maybe like the internal combustion engines that generate massive amounts of power. Um, you know, I think that. Well, explain that. What, 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 why on that? Why that particular, why the internal combustion engine with Bitcoin, what you're thinking there? Well, I just, any, any innovation, any way in which somebody can more economically, just even marginally, right? Just a marginal improvement in the economics of generating power directly, you get rewarded by the Bitcoin network, right? Whereas for the last 20 years, if you made some revolutionary, you know, innovation to the internal combustion engine, you probably didn't make much money. You probably like, who's going to pay you for it? Like mm-hmm. maybe if you made maybe if you made some kind of technological advancement in an electric motor, right? For for a vehicle, they might you know throw subsidies at you and get really excited. So are but, you saying that are you saying but, that you you're gonna we're gonna have put miners in cars? Is that what is that what you're saying? No 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 no. No, I'm saying I'm saying the investment, the return on investment. No, let me put it this way. So those those amazing minds that are out there today the engineers the the guys that you know more or less make the world go around the men and women when bitcoin's price is six or seven figures nobody can incentivize them or, or there is a direct incentive for them right okay to yeah innovate sure. around power, or to innovate to innovate around power generation like that's where with a forty five thousand dollar bitcoin if you can generate power more economically than we have been able to in the past, you can get a direct economic reward. Yeah. That you, like you don't even have to, you don't even have to tell the world about it. You can just go feel it, right? And got so it. Got because it. of yeah. that, right? Just then, that's a powerful driving force. That you know, it's a bat signal in the sky where everybody that understands how to generate power is thinking how to is now like they can't ignore the fact that they want to generate it more efficiently because they could immediately get rewarded, right? Financially, um, for their, for yeah. their innovation. Right. Okay. So that's yeah, very the way good. I look at it as a, as a driving force that way, right? As a, I don't know, just kind of that, that thing that keeps you up at night and making you want to, to make things better, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Make a, make a dollar doing it. Yeah. Okay. One more, one more question before I let you go. I mean, do you no, you're see, good. I, I, I blocked out some time for us. So we're, okay. Right. So do you see, I mean, what do you, what do you make of the OPEC nations? What do you think of Saudi Arabia um, are they going to come on board with something like this? And if that happens, do we see kind of a, a, a recontrol of monopolization, cartel is cartelization of oil and gas if they glom onto some uh, technology like this? I mean, they could generate significant revenue if, if they put something like this on all the wells that they're pumping out. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. What's interesting about Bitcoin, it's so beautiful. Um, you know, much like how Bitcoin, I don't know if you've noticed this, but you know, something that I've noticed is Bitcoin doesn't, doesn't attract an enemy until it's, until it's big enough to defend itself against that enemy. Right. It's one of those, like, you know, like I think the, the government could have squashed Bitcoin in 2011, but had mm-hmm. no reason to almost, you know, um, in the same way, Bitcoin gives it, it, it's naturally going to be the, the smaller oil and gas producers that begin mining Bitcoin first. Um, they have less red, you know, less red tape to cut through just initially, right? There's, it's, it's, you know, they don't have to necessarily deal as much with like accounting departments and, you know, all those, all the um, approval such that you need at, at big corporations. But beyond that, um, you know, they can start at a really small scale. And so a lot of oil and gas producers that I've worked with, the small mom and pops, right? They, they can start with like a, you know, 
$50,000 kind of an investment. And then they can go from there. And so for them, that, that's something that they can move quickly on. Where the oil and gas, the bigger companies, they're not going to look at something unless it's like worth their time to look at it. Yeah, right? Unless it's yeah. going to take, you know, X amount of gas. And that's the thing where it's like, yeah, these, sure, these guys could go out and with, with, that, with how much energy they make, with how much natural gas they produce, sure, they could go and dominate right now. But, but is it worth it? Right. right. Is it okay. economically worth it to yeah. them? Because that's, that's where I know, I mean, with the amount of, the amount of natural gas that gets wasted in North America alone, okay, just, just on this continent is enough to power the Bitcoin network six times over, maybe, maybe eight times over. Right. And so like, that's what gets wasted every day in North America. And so just for a significant percentage of that waste gas to get dedicated to mining Bitcoin, from my own calculations, two, $3 million, $4 million Bitcoin price. Right. I mean, because you got to remember in three years, there's only going to be what 450 new Bitcoin released per day. Right, right, right. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe 650 Bitcoin per day, maybe 700 Bitcoin per day with fees. Um, I mean, if we have a, if, if it's only a $50,000 Bitcoin price, that's only 35 million bucks. Yeah. Like that's, that ain't going to cut it. Right. That, right. That, yeah. Right. These guys aren't going to do that. Right. So we're going to, like, it's not that Bitcoin's price, I mean, here's the thing Bitcoin's price was designed to go up. It has to go up, right? And ultimately, I think it will go up because, right, the demand is there. The demand yeah. for energy, you know, it's it's energy that demands to be rescued, demands a market, and Bitcoin is that market. And so, ultimately, I think the price will get there, and we'll see we'll see a lot of Bitcoin mining the oil field. I don't think it will oligopolize or monopolize the network. I don't. I, I'm much less concerned with the oil and gas industry part becoming, you know, coming into this space i think it'll i think it'll one create incredible geographical decentralization right and harden the heck out of the bitcoin network in the sense that like so so i was a customer of upstream data before i started uh working for them right as as a record you know, for the record and so i personally have a bitcoin mine that's operating and the grid could go down and my bitcoin mine is still operating right? yeah i'm off like so think about that like i'm out in the middle of nowhere yeah that's fantastic yeah and so like so i it it would make it so like you literally cannot set like make a central attack where I think the, the absolute last kind of attack on any type of minor centralization just took place with China kicking out all their Bitcoin miners. That was like, I mean, one that was a gift from God in a way. It was like, well, sure, thank you, sure. you know, but, but beyond, but beyond that, you know, that was the most, that was the biggest threat. Now that, you know, that got spread out. I think, man, I think, kind of, you know, the, the, the world is wide open for competition and there's stranded energy all over, but North America has got a ton and it's a thousands of different players involved, um, that are going to participate. I think we're going to see way, it's going to be way more competition, way more decentralization. I see the opposite happening. Um, even with these, and yes, I mean, the, the, you know, the, I'd say that the middle East is getting involved, right? They're looking, I've seen emails. I've, talked with guys uh, at the Houston Bitcoin meetup. There was guys that flew internationally to come to Houston to check out Bitcoin mining the oil field. And so, and they're down here to, they're going to go up to Oklahoma and Texas and they're going to tour oil and gas Bitcoin mines. Like they're, they're checking this out. They're taking a serious look and they're, they're giving the Bitcoin network serious consideration, right? Which I think it's Very, warranted, yeah. right? Very cool. It's almost, yeah. it's almost a trillion dollar asset. So, yeah. Awesome. You know, it's funny. I grew up in Houston and, um, I want to go back there. <laughs> yeah, the, the weather, the weather is so hot. It is. So oh my hot. goodness! It's I yeah. Can't, I can't do it. It's so it's brutal. Like it's yeah. You, and you just go from like sweating profusely to like an extremely over air conditioned room. Yes. And then you're freezing. Yeah. It's yeah. Very uncomfortable. Yeah. I, I did a paper I, when I was in the army, I did a paper, I was in a officer advanced course and one of the, uh, we had to come up with some novelty facts about where we grew up and all that. And at the time, I'm sure it's still the case, but Houston was the most heavily air conditioned city in the world. I'm sure that's still the case. <laughs> I mean, I got to imagine it's, it, it's gotta be up there still. There's no way that it's, yeah. I mean, like, again, I mean, talk about energy, energy consumers of last resort, right? There's, yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. People boiling in Houston will definitely, uh, will pay you good money for, for some cool air, but no, yeah. I think, I think, you know, it's natural, right? That this Bitcoin mining is Toshi Nakamoto. It's almost as though he created a white paper to rescue stranded energy. Right. Like mm. I, I think honestly, if that, if that was his intention, he wouldn't have done anything differently. Um, because that's what effectively what he did. And, and in turn, he created a new competitive energy market. And we're just beginning to understand what it, 
how that's going to impact our world. But I think it's going to impact us from absolutely, I think all types of power generation, all types of energy production, every single one, solar, wind, hydroelectric, natural gas, all of it, their economics become more attractive than they were before Bitcoin mining, right? Every that's single, fantastic, yeah. Right, you know, beyond that. And then lastly, I think what we're going to find is this, this kind of undercutting of the, the narrative that, energy consumption and production is inherently, you know, immoral. Right? This That's idea right, that yeah. consuming electricity is like, like, you know, just plugging my phone into charge, like, you know, it, it's equivalent to like a tree dying, you know, it's like kind right. of they, or equivalent to burning a, you know, gallon of gas. Like right. this, this, this equivalency of like consuming electricity is destroying the planet. I think that's, that's right. To, you know, people are going to become educated and they're going to, they're going to see through that facade. Hope, I mean, I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful that people will at least begin to, to push back because the only way in which we advance as a civilization is we're going to have to consume more power. We're going to yeah. produce more power. Yep. So. Yep. The statistics are pretty clear about that. Energy consumption equates to life expectancy. And, you know, those statistics just aren't out in the narrative. And it's going to be hard to say that energy consumption is bad uh, when if 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 the vision of taking a solar unit and a Bitcoin mining unit to a stranded village somewhere it's going to be kind of hard to say that's a bad thing uh, for sure. Exactly. Awesome. No, it's, yeah. going to be, it's, it's going to be tough to, it's going to be tough to say that it's, you know, hurting the world more than it's helping. Right. Adam, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate your time and your expertise. Um, I thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Patrick, happy to be here again. Sorry for, for a couple of slips curse words there. My apologies. Um, it's a, but it's again, okay, thank, my friend. You know, thanks, yeah. Thanks so much for checking this out. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to check out some more of your episodes. I hadn't, I hadn't heard much about your podcast, but um, after speaking with you now, I'm, I'm curious to know what other guests you had on here. So, um, but happy to join man. And, and, you know, I'd love to come back and, you know, check in maybe after a year or so. And after whatever news happens over the next 365 days in this crazy world. So stay in touch. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Adam. Have a good day. Awesome. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Please like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. If you would leave a review, that would be fantastic as well. Peace.